0: to the Mission North Shore podcast. So today, as a a church, we're celebrating Thanksgiving. Obviously, it's not till Thursday, but we like to celebrate. We got a lot to be thankful for, and so we want to worship the Lord and thank Him. And and so today, what we're doing is we take a little break and we look at Psalm 100. Today, we're primarily going to talk about Thanksgiving in worship, and we're primarily going to talk about it. In regard to when we gather together, I'm talking about this morning primarily musical worship or worship in song as we gather together as a church as we have just done. And inevitably someone is thinking, as I say, we're going to talk about worship in song. Inevitably somebody is thinking or somebody is going to say, look, there's other very important forms of worship beyond song. And, and that's very, very, very true. Worship is not restricted to music. There's people that worship the Lord with their serving. I'm um, sorry, 6.30 this morning. There's a whole crew of guys that showed up here to set up all of this stuff. And they're doing it unto the Lord. No, you guys don't even know who they are, most of you. And they're just doing it under the Lord. That's a form of worship. We know people that go out and do benevolence and care for people and take food to people. That's a form of worship because they're not doing it for recognition. They're just doing it to the Lord. We have people that do artwork as a form of worship under the Lord. Pretty much anything that you do solely for Him, with your heart lifted to Him, can be a form of worship. But our main goal for today is that we're going to talk about congregational worship and worship when we gather. And one of the main reasons that we're going to talk about that and spend the time on it today is that worship in song and worship with music is a huge subject of the Bible. Huge subject. We, the church, didn't invent this. It wasn't as if one day in church history, some guys were sitting around going like, you know what will liven up this whole church thing? We should sing a few songs. That's not what happened. We are exhorted throughout the whole of Scripture, over and over in God's Word, to come to Him in song and worship and shout joyfully with psalms and praises. Let me just give you a few, and then we'll get into our text. Psalm 95. Oh, come let us sing For joy to the the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 47, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a skillful song. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm has gained victory for Him. Psalm 98.4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy. And sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sounds of melody, with the trumpet and the sounds of the horn, shout joyfully before the King, our Lord. And so one of the things that we see, and that's just a really small section. If you've ever read through the Psalms and even other places, you see that musical worship is is a huge part of what God has directed us to do as His redeemed. Even within... um the Levites, those that served as priests in the temple, there was an entire family that was set aside to just do the music for the temple and the temple service. And you can't read throughout Scripture without seeing that. That musical worship and song is such an important part of our worship. So let's get into our text now as we've started to kind of build that um, idea. Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout joyfully. Shout joyfully. To the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praises. Give thanks to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. Father, as we come before you now and we think about all that you've done for us and who you are to us, Lord, we pray that your spirit would come and begin to stir in us a heart of praise and thanksgiving. Lord, bring to our remembrance what you've saved us from and how good you've been to us. Lord, give us a glimpse, maybe even further than we've ever known, of who you are. Lord, that we might Truly praise you. Come before you with the worship that is worthy of your name. Lord, we ask that you would stir that in us as a congregation now. We ask that you would stir it in the other churches of our community right now. That they would bring the praise and worship that is worthy of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there's two major things happening this week. One is on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, so we're talking about worship and Thanksgiving. The other one is on Friday, which is our worship night. And so in preparation for those two things, and to kind of get our heart ready, we're talking this morning about Thanksgiving in worship. And they go together, because you can't have true worship without a heart of thanksgiving, can you? You can't have true worship without a grateful heart. Now, you can sing songs without a grateful heart. And you can sing songs with apathy in your heart. You can sing songs with selfishness in your heart and pride in your heart. But you can't call it worship. Because true worship requires thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts. Because that's what worship is, isn't it? It's an expression of thanks and gratitude to the Lord for who He is and what He's done. Look at verse 5 in our text. You go through this whole psalm and you're exhorted to worship. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks and bless His name. But then you get to verse 5 and it tells you why we're doing these things. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. So the first thing, the first point that we're going to make this morning is that we worship because the Lord is worthy of our worship because of who He is and what He's done. Amen? We see this all throughout the Psalms. You're exhorted constantly to worship throughout the Psalms, but within them it's telling us why we worship. Psalm 92 says, For you, O Lord, have made, have made me glad with what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. Again, Psalm 98 says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained victory for Him. The Lord has made known his salvation and has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. And he's remembered his loving kindness in his faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. It's because of who he is and what he's done that we worship. Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live, because of who he is, because he cares, because he loves, because he's listening. Psalm 13 says, But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Because of who He is and what He's done. He's brought salvation into my life. Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, God, my strength, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call upon him who is worthy to be praised. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? And so you go through Scripture. And you're exhorted to worship because of who God is. Because He's the Creator. Because He's the one who spoke and all things came into being. Because He's our rock and He's our defense. And because He's faithful and because He's our Savior. And He alone has the ability to save our souls from hell. And He loves us. And so we're exhorted then to worship. Listen, Jesus didn't die on the cross because He wanted to start some religious movement. He died on the cross because He is good. Because He is love. Because it's His very nature. Because He loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through Him. Because it's His nature. We worship because of who He is. Because He Himself, in His very nature and character, is love and wouldn't allow us to go to hell in our sin. Because of who He is, we worship. The way we respond to that love is thanksgiving and worship. Church, it's not just a few songs before or after a sermon. It's worship. It's praise to the one who saved our souls. David in the Psalms said this multiple times. I'll give you a couple examples. He says in Psalm 18 he says, "I love you, O Lord, O Lord my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and he's the horn of my salvation, my salvation." I will call upon him because he's worthy to be praised. David said in Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Church is important for us to remember what God has saved us from when we come to times of worship. Amen. Man, I can think back last night. I was thinking about this. I was reading through the Psalms. You know, we're doing a Psalm a week up until worship night and I was reading through those Psalms and remembering what God has saved me from and he saved me from a lot, probably more than most. And man, it just wells up in you to worship at that point. Because no matter how bad it gets here, I'm with the Lord for eternity. It doesn't matter and that's worthy of worship. And so number one, We should worship because God is worthy, because of who He is and what He's done. Number two, we should worship because it's what we need. We should worship because it's what we need. It takes our eyes off of ourselves, and it puts them rightly on Jesus. It's what we need, church. It takes my eyes off of me and my junk and my drama... And worship puts my eyes rightly upon Jesus. Look at verse 3. It says there in Psalm 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us. Not we made ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. True worship Puts my world and my life and my priorities in right perspective. True worship orders my thoughts and my attention and my focus rightly. Because it takes it off of me and it puts it on him. Way too often we, way too often I, make things way too much about myself. And when I humble myself, and I exalt Jesus, it frees me from that self-absorption, doesn't it? It takes my eyes off of me, and it places it rightly upon the Lord. And it channels and orders my thoughts and my attention and my focus rightly. And it sets everything then into perspective when he is first and foremost in my life. Listen to, to Psalm 115. I love this. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. I love that. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. To your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. That's why when we started this church, one of the first things that the Lord did was Tell me that we gotta do this thing called mission style prayer. And you guys know how we start mission style prayer, right? What's the first thing we do? Exaltation. So we go to a prayer meeting, we don't ask for a single thing for ourselves before we begin to exalt the Lord. Because what happens? On a Tuesday, you know, Monday was busy, Tuesday was busy, I come in, some of us barely make it to the prayer meeting, we're frantic, we're thinking about all the stuff we got going on, we got sick kids at home, we got to get to work, we got to da da and we got a lot of stuff going on in our lives, and we get to the prayer meeting, and then now all of a sudden we think about all the things that we need Jesus to do for us, and what do we do? We make the whole thing about us. And we forget who we're even talking to. And so we've determined from the beginning before we ask for a single thing for ourselves, we're going to do two things. We're going to praise the Lord. We're just going to exalt Him for who He is. It turns my attention off of myself, gets it rightly upon Him. Just lift our hearts to Him. So the whole first half of any prayer meeting. And let me tell you, I have determined this. If an entire prayer meeting ends up exalting the Lord and never asking for a single thing for myself, it was still a success. But if the whole prayer meeting was just asking stuff for me, it was not. And so therefore, we do it. The second thing that we do is we always pray for the churches in our community before we pray for anything for ourselves. Oftentimes, I wake, I, I make things, all my junk, all my drama, way too much about me. It's not about us, is it? It's about him. Here, here's a common problem that we run into as, as we're thinking about Worship and song and and musical worship. Here's a common problem that we run into oftentimes in church world today, especially in kind of the consumer mentality that has permeated church world. Sometimes you hear something like this. I don't like that song, so I'm not going to worship. I I don't like that style of music. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's too loud. it's, It's too soft. I don't like hymns. I only like hymns. And so therefore, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not into it. You guys ever heard that? I've heard it. And to be honest, I've probably been there a few times where I'm just like, I don't really like this song. So I'm going to kind of just like cruise back here, stick my hands in my pockets for a little bit. And man, that's wrong. Or you hear something like this, and I've definitely done this one. And maybe, maybe you're with me this morning. I don't feel like worshiping today. I just come in down, and I just don't feel like worship. I've done that before. You guys done that? Ever? Is it just me? You're a couple of you guys? Here's the important thing to remember, and, and I've had that holy spanking from the Lord before when I've come in with that attitude where you come in and you go, man, I, I'm just like beat down, and I don't even feel like worshiping. Here's what the Lord tells me. It doesn't matter. Because it's not about you. Worship's not about me. When when I make it about me, it's no longer worship. When it's about whether I like the song or not, it's no longer about worship. It's supposed to be all about Him. And, And that's the whole point. True worship takes me off of the throne and places Him in His rightful place in my life. It rightly prioritizes my attention. And if you make worship about how you feel, then it isn't really worship because you made it about you and not Him. And one of the things that I've realized is that your feelings may or may not be there, but that doesn't matter. Because it's about Him. And when our feelings are not there, it's what Hebrews chapter 13 describes as a sacrifice of worship. I come in, I don't feel like worshiping, but He's still worthy, so I still worship. He still saved me, He's still good, He's still loving, kind, and so I still worship. Whether I feel like it or not. Now, one thing that needs to be mentioned along those lines is this. Sometimes when my feelings aren't there, you may have experienced this before. Sometimes when you're not feeling like worship and you come in and you begin to exalt the Lord anyway, what happens? God's Spirit kind of comes and He kind of starts to soften your heart, doesn't He? And sometimes I don't feel like lifting my hands to the Lord, but I'm like, you know what? You are worthy, Lord. You know, and sometimes God's Spirit becomes comes and He starts to change my feelings because He starts to minister to my heart. And as we exalt Him, and as we remember His goodness, and as we remember what He's done for us, and as we declare His faithfulness and goodness, sometimes how I feel changes. Read the Psalms of David. Many of the Psalms of David were, were written in times of David's distress. We were just in En Gedi in Israel, and David wrote several Psalms from En in a time of great distress when he was being pursued by Saul who was trying to kill him. And Psalm wrote, uh, David wrote a lot of Psalms from that place of distress. And as you read many of the Psalms of David, you notice something. They begin with him really cast down. And they end with his countenance way up there. And they begin like, Lord, I don't even know if you're there. Lord, Lord, are you with me? My enemies are encamped against me. My soul is thrown down. My soul is cast down. I'm in a bad way. I feel horrible. And then somewhere in the middle of the psalm, you start hearing things like this. Lord, you're good. Lord, you are my defense. Lord, you're a rock. You're my salvation. And then by the end of the psalm, what do you get? Lord, I praise you for your goodness and your amazing and your loving kindness to all generations. And so you read through the Psalms of David and you see that God does that in our hearts as we begin to come to him and as we begin to praise him. And so number one, we worship because he's worthy. Number two, we worship because it's what we need. Gets us off of the throne, places Jesus in his rightful place in our life. And then, number three, I want to talk about expressions of worship. Look at verse one. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. Now, when you begin to talk about expressions, Within worship, it can be kind of a touchy subject, right? Because some people are super conservative. And they're going to stand there with their hands in their pockets, regardless of what happens. Other people are going to get loose, right? You know those people. They're going to be dancing in the aisles, regardless. Like, they could be in the most conservative church. And they're going to get a little bit loose. That's going to happen. And the local church, and even full denominations, They begin to get known, don't they, largely by their postures and their expressions of worship, right? Because I could say a denomination to you, and the first thing that's going to come to your mind is not their statement of faith, but usually how they worship. You know, if we say somebody's Pentecostal, you're going to know what it's going to look like when you get there. When we say there's Southern Baptists, you know what it's going to look like kind of when you get there. And so we're known along the lines of whether we're conservative or whether we're charismatic or whether we're Pentecostal or whatever it is. And, And entire churches have split over style and expressions. I've seen that happen. And that's not good because... There needs to be freedom in worship. Now, as I talk about this, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. Ultimately, worship is all about the heart. Ultimately, worship is all about the heart. And if your heart's not in it, and your heart's not lifted to the Lord, Worship, regardless of how expressive you might get, is not worship. It's ultimately about the heart. You can jump and shout and sing and do all of it, but if your heart is not connected to the Lord, it's just drama at that point. It's just whatever. But when your heart is there, and this is what I want to get to. When your heart is there, there needs to be freedom in worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And throughout the whole of Scripture, we see worship as passionate and expressive. Throughout the whole of Scripture, we see worship as passionate and descriptive. And so some of you conservatives are getting a little bit squirmy right now. I know that. But, But just hang with me for a minute. Because you can't read through the Bible and not see it. You can't read through the Psalms where we're exhorted and even challenged to be passionate and expressive in worship. Look at verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. You look at other scriptures, Psalm 95. It says, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout, again, joyfully to the Lord with a psalm. Come, let us uh, worship and bow down. Another expression. And kneel before the Lord, our maker. Expressions in worship. Shouting, singing, kneeling, bowing. Psalm 47 says, Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. For God, the Lord Most High, is awesome. He is the King over all the earth. Psalm 98 says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out with praises and sing for joy. Sing your praises to the Lord with a harp and with a melodious song. Psalm 149 says, Let them praise his name with dancing. That's going to mess with some people right there. Let them praise his name with dancing and let them sing praises with a tremble and with the lyre. Psalm 150. Praise his name with a trumpet sound. Praise his name with a harp and a lyre. Praise Him with tremble and with dancing. Praise Him with a stringed instrument and the pipes. Psalm 63. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and I will lift my hands in your name. Psalm 134. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And so worship throughout the whole of Scripture is expressions. That's not even a word. <laughs> it is an expression of what's going on in our hearts, isn't it? Worship is to be an expression of what's going on in our hearts. So if that's true, it's okay for it to be passionate, isn't it? If we're passionate about the Lord, it's okay for our worship to be Passionate. In Scripture, we're exhorted to be expressive in worship. It says to sing and even shout and to kneel and to bow and, dare I say, even to dance. Guys, it's in the Bible. I didn't write it. Listen, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into Jerusalem, King David danced with all of his might before the Lord. In his underwear. That's what the Bible says. 2 Samuel 6.14, And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And later when he deals with his wife, she said, You had stripped down and became undignified. And God said that David was a man after his own heart. Now, <laughs> wait just a second before you start taking anything off. <laughs> just wait. I bring that up to make a point, And it's because oftentimes we get really worried about what the people around us will think if we raise our hands in worship. Or shout to the Lord in worship. Or we come up front and we kneel down before the Lord. We worry about what other people think. But here's what you need to know about that. Worship's not about them. Just as it's not about you in regard to what song you like, it's not about them. Worship's about the Lord. And in that story of David, what happens is he goes home and it says, when the, when the ark of the Lord had come into the city of David, Mahel, who is the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and she saw, that, that's his wife, Mahel, saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Can you imagine? This guy's a great warrior. Uh, he's the king of all of Israel. He's leaping and dancing before the Lord in his underoos. And it says that she despised him. And when David came into the house, she came and said how the king of Israel was distinguished today. And he uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants. She was critical of what David was doing under the Lord. But David says this, and I absolutely love this. So David said to Mahal, it was before the Lord. What he's saying is, it didn't have anything to do with you. It wasn't for you, and it wasn't about them. What I was doing was before the Lord, and it's what I felt like I was called to do. And he goes on to say, therefore I will celebrate before the Lord. And he says, and I will be even more undistinguished than this and I will be humble in my own eyes. I love that in the sense that David wasn't being arrogant but he was rightly directing Michael's attention to the fact that that worship that he was doing out there before the Ark of the Covenant that didn't have anything to do with her. It was all about him and the Lord. And he felt that that was the expression that was due at that time. And the Lord knew his heart. And his wife, the Lord made barren after that because she's so critical of David and his expression and celebrating before the Lord. So, the point of all of that is this. It's okay, and it's even very, very biblical for worship to be expressive and passionate. Someone once said, and I can't remember who said it, but they said, the church is to be a theater of God's glory on display for the world to see. The church is to be a theater of God's glory. When we're in God's presence and giving glory to the Lord and somebody comes and watches, what is that to look like? Jesus said, you're the light of a world. A city set, on, city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so, if people look into the church at the redeemed of the Lord, what should they see? Maybe passion? If worship is an expression of what's going on in my heart, what should it look like? Maybe passion? If you guys go to a rock concert, you know who the most fired up person about that band is, don't you? They're the person that have been sleeping on the sidewalk for three days to get in first. They're the person that runs right to the very front center of the stage. They know all of the songs. They're crowd surfing. They're rocking out. And everybody knows. Like that guy is the most fired up guy about this band, don't we? Some of you guys are them. If you watch a football game you know who's the most fired up guy about his team, don't you? It's the guy, it's zero degrees out, he doesn't have a shirt on, and he's painted himself blue. And you go, that dude is into this team. If people are looking into the church, at the redeemed of the Lord, what should they see? If worship is an expression of what's going on in my heart, what should it look like? Jim simbola in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, which is one of my favorite books, you guys know that, said something very simple, but I believe very, very profound. When he said, God will manifest himself in direct proportion to our passion for him. Now don't let that slip you by. God will manifest himself in direct proportion to, to our passion for him. And guys, that is just straight up biblical because it says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. In Second Chronicles chapter 15, in Zechariah chapter 1, in Malachi chapter 3, and James chapter 4, God says that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And God will manifest himself in direct proportion to our passion for him. Jesus, when he met with the woman at the well, in John chapter 4, said that the Father seeks those who are true worshipers of him. Church, we were not meant to just show up. You guys know that? We were created for worship. We were not meant just to show up. We were meant to be engaged in in worship to the one who created us, who loved us, and who went to the cross to redeem us. So what should worship look like among the redeemed of the Lord? Let's pray. Father, as we um, come and we think about all that we have to be thankful for this week, First and foremost, Jesus, and that He came to pay my price for my sin. Lord, we pray that right now You would cultivate in us this spirit of worship like never before. That we would be abandoned in Your presence. That we would move to the beat of your drum alone, that we would truly come and say as David says, it was before the Lord. Lord, we lift our hearts to you. We ask for time, we ask forgiveness, Lord. We repent of times where we haven't worshiped you for all that you are and all that you've done, where we've been apathetic in your presence, Lord. I ask forgiveness for myself. Lord, we ask right now as we come and we celebrate you in this second set of worship, that you would be glorified, you'd be enthroned upon our praises, that your spirit would fall here like it's never fell before. And we would be completely abandoned in your presence and experience you like we've never experienced. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.